It's getting cooler. Can I get an amen for that? Come on. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Um, I have actually one more announcement at the beginning of October, the first Sunday of October. We're throwing a pate. I like to say it that way. We're throwing a pate. We're having the Ohana Beach Day. How many of you guys have ever been to one of those? Ohana Beach Day at Kalama Beach, uh, right there in Kailua. Um, primarily, we're just, uh, that's our baptism. We decided, you know what, we're not going to do baptism here in a pool, whatever it is. We live in Hawaii. We're going to baptize people in the ocean. So we've uh, moved our baptisms uh, to the beach. And you know what? We decided to make a party out of it. And, and I hear a lot of people say this, like, oh, I don't know anybody that's getting baptized, so I, I, I don't have to go. Let me tell you one thing. The, the baptism is great. And that's one of, the re- one of the main reasons why we're there. The other reason is to partay and to, and to fellowship. And we're going to have hot dogs and chili and rice. Uh, we actually got, anybody know Tat Shave Ice? If you live in Kaneohe, you know how good tat shave ice is. It, I, it's the best shave ice on the island. I know those are fighting words, but I'll, I will fight you. And they are. And so we got them. They're coming. And we're just making a big party. And we're, uh, hopefully we can get some s'mores going. I love the s'mores. But just fellowship. You know why? Because that's what Ohana is all about. That's why we changed the name of the thing from Beach Bash to Ohana. Because we just want to hang out with family. Get to know each other. You don't have to know someone that's getting baptized. Get to know the people that you're playing volleyball with or throwing sand with or whatever it is and eating a sandy hot dog. Just do all that uh, because uh, here's my really cool segue because it's better together. You like, you like that, huh? It's like, I'm polished like that. And, uh, and we're in our, our Better Together series. It's about relationships and I think it's more than just a husband and a wife. It's about, it's about preparing yourself to be a husband or a wife or just being better at the relationships around your friends and whatever it is. And, and to be honest with you, today we are going to specifically talk about marriage, but single people, and if you're not married, please do not turn off because I think you have to get yourself prepared for the person that you're going to be with. Amen? Or you can, you can really apply what I'm talking about today, really apply to just to basic family relationships or, or just your friendship relationships. But we will be talking about marriage today. Uh, but uh, we have a cool video, and we're, we're going to be talking about power today. Power, you know? And basically, the power you have over o- other people. And uh, we have an example of someone that had a lot of influence over a lot of people. So check this out. And that's pretty funny. How many of you guys have ever seen that video before? The whole link, whatever it is. But that guy just started doing this. And he wasn't doing it really well. And I'm sure a lot of people were sitting next to him like going, this guy's a freak, you know, <laughs> whatever it is. But man, he got it going. And he, his influence, his power was that. So I like the way you're dancing. He gathered hundreds of people just started dancing with him. He just created this whole party. And, and this, this morning, we're talking about power, the influence to, to make people do other stuff, you know, without forcing them or whatever it is. Um, you know, uh, how many guys are Seinfeld fans? You know, I, I, I know there's the bad dance. Remember Elaine's dance? Like with the, <laughs> and it had a bad effect, a bad, a, a bad influence on other people. Like it it repelled, repelled other people. And that's kind of similar to us is that we all have power. We all have influence, whether you know it or not or use it or not. We do. And we can use that power for good or for bad, can't we? We can. All of us, whether, whether your personality fits it or not, we all have the influence over other people. And actually, in the Bible, in Proverbs 18, 21, it says this very clear. I mean, check this out. It says, words kill. How's that? That's pretty heavy. Words kill. Words give life. They're either poison or fruit. I love this. You choose. It's your decision how to use 
the power that God has given you. And it's strikingly harsh, man. These like words can actually kill, but this is the word of God and even just our words. And so imagine everything that we do, how much influence it has on other people, good or bad. And I think, man, let's, let's talk about how we can use our power to better people. Amen. Who's the prime example on that? Isn't Jesus the prime example of using his power to better? I mean, is he king? That was a little, uh, we're in church, right? Is he the king of all kings? Nice. Is he the Lord of all lords? But what did he do? He relinquished his power for a little bit to make us better. He died on the cross, shed his blood for us so that we can be forgiven, so that we can live in freedom, so that we can live this life of, you know what, I'm going to go after God and God is going to bless me and I'm going to be in his will. He did all that. He relinquished his power to make us better, to bring out the best in us. And if we follow his example, well, then you know what? We should, we should do the same, right? And I, I know that's a high calling to bring out the best of people, but don't you think we should use our power to better people? That's, that's kind of, if we're going to follow his example, we're lifting others up. On the bad side, we can use our power to actually make people worse. And here's two ways we're going to talk about how you can use your power to actually make people worse. Uh, the first one is to be absolutely controlling, forceful, and too pushy on people. The other side is, if you have power, God has given it to you, but you don't use it. And you become passive and indifferent and fearful. These are the two things we're talking about today. And, and so just to lighten the mood a little bit, because I, I like to come to church knowing that I'm, a, I'm with a whole bunch of people that have the same problems like me. Anybody? Right? We're not coming holy roaches like, oh, well, did you sin this week? I didn't. You know, <laughs> I like to come to church like knowing we're all in the same boat, right? So I'm gonna, I think we deal with all of us to some degree with controlling issues and passive issues. Some of us with both, right? So if you're here and you think you have some control issues, raise your hand. Yeah, look at that. All right. Okay, cool. If you think you're kind of passive and you have to deal with that, so you have some passive issues, raise your hand. All the, oh, wow, I thought, I thought all the passive people were like, oh, yeah, I guess so. I don't know. Okay, how about this? If the person that you're with struggle with either one of those, raise your hand. You're like, yeah, it's your spouse, whatever. I'm a, I'm, it's a relationship series. I'm all about causing fights on your way home, okay? I know how it works, right? Did you listen? I, I know you, you, you wake up tomorrow morning, it's like, did you listen to the sermon? Let's talk about that. What are you going to change in your life? You know, I know how that is. And so, you know what? None of that. We're going to focus on you today. Amen? Focus on you. No elbows, no nothing. Okay? Um, but we're going to be looking at that. And actually, like I said, this is for everybody, but we are going to have a, a marriage slant on, that, uh, on this because we're going to be looking and a marriage in the Bible. And can I say this is a really bad marriage? And I want to just say it straight out. This is about someone who is controlling and the other person was passive. That's, that's really what we're going for. And, 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 and we're talking about Ahab and Jezebel. Ahab was the passive husband and Jezebel was the controlling wife. And on top of that, because I really believe this is probably the worst marriage in all of Scripture. On top of that, they were evil. They were super evil. And so they had their own issues, but they added the fact that they were pretty bad people. So, and actually in 1 Kings 20, uh, 21, you want to turn there, that's what I'm going to be reading in chapter 21. Verse 25 says this. Get this. This is just to set the stage for these guys, how bad they were. No one else. That's a pretty... Bold statement in the Bible right there. No one else, no one compared to them, so completely sold himself to what was evil in the Lord's sight as Ahab. I mean, that, how's that for your scripture in the Bible? No one else was as evil as you up to that point. But get this. As Ahab did under the influence of who? His wife, Ahab. I mean, sorry. Ahab didn't marry himself, Jezebel. They were bad. They were evil. 
And so we're going to jump into this story. And like I said, straight out, it's about Ahab being passive and Jezebel being controlling. And just to give you a background story before we jump in, uh, Ahab was the king of the nor- northern Israel. The, Israel was broken up into two sections. They're kind of going through a civil war, whatever it is. So there's two kings. Uh, Ahab was a king. So he had authority and power. That was his position. He was a military leader uh, for about 20 years. He, he knew how to do it really well. But you're wondering, how come he was passive? I think a lot of men, come on, right? We, we work hard and we're bosses and we're leaders, but we can be passive at home. This is totally possible. And here, the background is that he married Jezebel. Jezebel was a foreigner, and she worshiped foreign gods. So here it kind of gives you a little inkling of who Ahab was, is he was supposed to have God as his number one, right? We talked about that last week. He was supposed to have God uh, worshiped and in his family, whatever it is, but he decided to marry a wife that was a foreigner and that worshiped foreign gods, and Jezebel coerced him to worship those other gods. And so here we are, we're jumping into the story in verse 1 of chapter 21, and we're going to see what went wrong. So here we go. Now, there was a man named Naboth from Jezreel, who owned a vineyard in Jezreel beside the palace of King Ahab of Samaria. One day, Ahab said to Naboth, since your vineyard is so convenient to my palace, I would like to buy it to use as a vegetable garden. I will give you a better vineyard in exchange, or if you prefer, I will pay you for it. But Naboth replied, the Lord forbid that I should give you the inheritance that was passed down by my ancestors. So Ahab went home angry and sullen because of Naboth's answer. The king went to bed with his face to the wall and refused to eat. What's the matter? His wife Jezebel asked him. What's made you so upset that you're not eating? I, was, uh, I asked Naboth to sell me his vineyard or trade it, but he refused, Ahab told her. Are you the king of Israel or not? Jezebel demanded, get up and eat something and don't worry about it. I'll get you Naboth's vineyard. Okay, so here we are. We have an example. And I, I, I want to say something before we get into it. I, I am going to talk about husbands and wives, and, but I think both can be passive or controlling. Amen. It's not just the husband or just the wife. But just in this story, I want to make sure that we're just referring to what's going on here. And so we have Ahab. He wanted to build a Whole Foods next to the palace. <laughs> right? He just wanted organic. He wanted fresh. He's all, Naboth, man, that's close. That's convenient. I want, I want, I want, a, I want a Whole Foods. And so he, he asks for it. And he's all, nope, I'm not giving up the land. And so basically, he goes and has a pity party. He doesn't negotiate. He just goes home with his head down. It's like, oh, my gosh, Naboth doesn't want to give me this. Okay, so he's by himself. His wife comes by and looks at him. And on a first reading, I think you can go, wait, was she really being demanding? Because well, she's trying to help the guy out. You know, and I think you can kind of, when you read that, but you have to put it in context. What did I read the first verse that I read? They were evil in the Lord's sight. They did evil. So if you actually read their whole story, you know they were bad people. Okay, she wasn't a caring type. Okay, so she's coming at him, and she says, are you the king of Israel or not? You know what? Go eat. Make yourself happy. I'll take care of it. You know, you know what she's kind of saying in my words? It's like, dude, what are you crying about, you big baby? What are you crying about? You know what? Why don't you go do something that you, you know what? Grab a Heineken, sit in the couch, and watch your football game. If that makes you happy, go, go play with your little toys and make yourself happy. You know what? I'm going to do your job for you. Don't you get that sense? Right? That's what Jezebel is saying to him. And here's what happened. All right? She just takes control, right? Cuts him down. I thought you were the king. You're not acting like a big baby. I'm going to take care of it. So what she did was... She got a couple people. She used the king's authority. I'm not going to get into it. You can read it yourself when you go home. To frame Naboth. And what did she frame him on? Cursing God, who she didn't even believe in, and cursing the king, who she didn't even respect. Framed him. And the penalty of cursing God and cursing the king is, guess what? Death. They stoned him to death. They threw threw stones at him, and he died. Essentially... Jezebel killed 
murdered Naboth. And so here we are. They got the vineyard, and this is what happens. When Jezebel heard the news about Naboth's death, she said to Ahab, you know the vineyard Naboth wouldn't sell you? Well, you can have it now. He's dead. I mean, how's that? That's so cold-hearted. So Ahab immediately went down to the vineyard of, uh, of Naboth to claim it. So here's passive Ahab going, oh, oh, really? Awesome. Cool. Whole Foods, let's do this, you know? And he claims it. But the Lord said to Elijah, now, if you don't know who Elijah is, Elijah was the prophet of God, from God, heard from God clearly. And he was the, the, the man that brought the word of God to the people. He was a powerful uh, man of the Lord. He says this in verse 18, Elijah, go down to meet uh, King Ahab. The Lord said this to Elijah, go down and meet King Ahab of Israel, who rules in Samaria. He will be at Naboth's vineyard in Jezreel, claiming it for himself. This is pretty heavy. Give him this message. This is what the Lord says. Hasn't it en- uh, wasn't it enough that you killed Naboth? Must you rob him too? Because you have done this. Dogs will lick your blood at the very place where they lick the blood of Naboth. Woo! Now, I'm not going to tell you the whole story, but that's what happened. Ahab had a horrible death, and I want to say this. uh, I'm not going to get into it. Jezebel actually had an even worse death. She had a horrible death. There was no redemption in this story at all. And you're thinking, thanks a lot for uplifting me, Tom, uh, with this story. And... Here's the, here's, here, you know what the encouraging thing is? Let me, let me tell you right now, there is no way that your marriage or relationship that you're in is as bad as this. No way. Take hope in that. You're like, yeah, we're not as bad as them. Woohoo! You know? But we, can't we learn something from them? Can't we take godly answers and solutions from where they went wrong? I, I love that. I love looking in the Word or, you know, whatever it is and going, you know what? What did they do? Because in the Bible, I said this last week, there's real people with real problems. And I love that. And God didn't filter it. God said, nope, read all about it. Because you know what? I'm still God. I'm still redeeming people. And I can redeem you. And so we can learn something of where they went wrong. And so obviously I've already had, uh, told you what went wrong, right? The one was controlling, one was passive. Uh, but here, here we're going to talk about in, uh, in other terms. Uh, what went wrong? Well, someone overpowered the other person, right? Right? That's what Jezebel did to it. Overpowered the relationship, and that's where it went wrong. And for us, if we kind of apply it to ourselves, even though we're not bad as Jezebel, we can really go, okay, husbands and wives, do we overpower our spouse right? or, in, or in our relationship, or do we overpower our other relationships? Are we, are we prone to that? Are we controlling people? And here's how we do it. We're not going to be murdering somebody, whatever it is, but we can do it by our words, can't we? I opened up with the scripture in Proverbs says, words can kill. And we can control someone, we can overpower someone, we can force someone by just name-calling, by criticizing them all the time, or just, just casting judgment on them, or, or whatever it is. And, and, what, and, and, and can I say it, being a nag? Husbands and wives can be nags, amen? Right? We just like, oh, you didn't do it right, you didn't do whatever it is. And I want to say one thing. I know for a fact, and I've said this a lot of times to my wife, you're, you have the most important opinion in, in, in my world. Shouldn't it be like that? I've said that. I've said it in fights, by the way. I fight with my wife, anybody? Right? And, and she would say something, and my wife is great, but it's like, man, your, your, your opinion matters a lot to me. You know, a lot of you are probably going right now, you're sitting thinking, when is Pastor Carl going to be back? <laughs> man, you know? But you know what? All you haters out there, doesn't compare to my wife's opinion. Sorry. She can go, you did great. Yes. You know, whatever it is. Um, it really, and shouldn't it be like that? I hope I'm that, my opinion is that valuable to her. And, you're, and you're, your opinion should be. And so that's the power that we don't realize that we have over our spouses. Whatever we say can be very harmful and very hurtful. Um, another way we do it is by controlling actions. We can be pushy. We can be manipulative. The power play, come on, right? It's getting quiet in here. Come on, right? We can, we can do that, and we can use our gifts to belittle the other person. 
I, I, I've done, early in my marriage, I'm going to just refer to my early parts of my marriage because my marriage is perfect now. Uh, <laughs> but early in my marriage, um, you know, every time I, 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 I fight with my wife, um, I know there's two things, there's two cans in front of you, right? In front of me. There's the water can and the gasoline can. Right? The fire starts, the fighting starts, and you can either douse the fight with the water can or go for the gasoline. Anybody with me, right? Early in my marriage, it just seemed like there was only one can. And it wasn't the water can. And I'll be like, you know what? And, and, and me, you know me, I'm up here. I'm talking to you guys, so I'm pretty good with my words. And I would use my words, and I would just like, ooh, I'm going to have the last word. I'm going to have, you know what? I'm going to think of a zinger, and you're going to get zinged, right? And it's going to be so good. And I remember spouting a couple of times, just like boom, boom, doom, doom, doom. And then seriously, I'd be done, and I'd be looking at Grace, and I'd be like, ooh, that was good. That was a zinger. And you know what all it did? It just made her smaller. It made her feel like a child, and it belittled her, and, she just, and, I, and I didn't lift her up. I put her down, and I made her worse. Anybody relating to that? And I, I realized that doesn't do anything. The gasoline, great. Yeah, great, Tom. You had a great zinger. Great. You're really witty. That ain't going to help my marriage, right? Um, the other thing that we do is we do just like Jezebel did. If you're controlling and you want to control and you want to overpower someone, you do the job for them, right? You watch them doing the job, you're not doing the job right. That's not the way I would have done it. You know what? Let me do it for you. And we take it out of their hands. Like Jezebel said, I'm going to use your authority and I'm going to do it for you. You know what that is? That's lack of trust. There's a lack of trust there. And I know this is kind of harsh and I want to keep this light, but... There are solutions, amen? There are things that we can do. If we struggle with this overbed with our words or our actions, or we take the job from the other person, there is solutions. If you're an, a controlling person in the marriage or whatever it is, husband or wife, here's, I'm going to give you a, a couple of advice. Here's my first advice. Instead of controlling the other person, control yourself. Control yourself. You know, I told you that I, I, I thought of those zingers. Well, I realized, you know what? Keep those zingers to yourself. Which means I had to control myself and go, you know what? I'm going to show her love now and grace rather than put her down. There's going to be times, and I'm not saying all the time. I'm saying some, there's healthy fighting for sure. But you need to control yourself rather than controlling the other person. You have to, go, you have to decide what battle am I going to pick, what approach I'm going to take. There's a time when you just got to back yourself up, okay? Control yourself. Then here's the other part of that. When you do that, use your words. Use the things that you're good at, that, that controlling or whatever it is, or maybe you're just a natural leader type of personality. Use that to lift the other person up. Now, what I mean by that, in Ephesians 5, it talks about marriage. Uh, we use it a lot in weddings, and Paul is just talking about the role of the husband, and the role of the wife. This scripture gets abused very much because, um, you know, a lot of husbands use it. It's like, you know, in the Bible it says submit. Submit to the husband. Better do that. Okay, that's what it says. But it also says husbands submit to the wife. It actually says submit to each other. That's what it says. It says submit to each other. And I'm going to, we're going to talk to the men. I believe that the men do have a leadership role, a God-given leadership role. And you're thinking, how is that possible? How can I submit and still be the leader? You still can. Why? Is because we're going to, basically the whole um, meaning of submit is to come under. Now, a lot of us go, oh, that's a, that's a negative. I want to put a positive slant is that you're under there. Like, you know how you like want to hop a fence? No one hops fences around here? Okay, cool. <laughs> I do. <laughs> I have. I shouldn't, some places I shouldn't have, but. Uh, and you help that other person over that hurdle that you're going through. That makes sense. It's the attitude that I'm going to use my power in submission to lift the other person up. 
And here's the thing. I want to talk. Can I talk to the women? I'm not getting responses, so maybe like, <laughs> it's like, no, you can't. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll talk to the wives, maybe the future wives. And here's, here's the one thing. If, if you're controlling, if, if you have a tendency to do this, uh, here is my advice to you. Give your husband a win. Not all the time. Not, I'm not saying like everything you thought you just gush over him and, and lie, <laughs> whatever it is. But give your husband a win. Give your future husband a win. Come on, come on, guys. You got to be help. I'm, I'm trying to help you guys out here. And what I mean by that is, I've, I've told this story before, but it fits. And so, you know, I got to use it. Um, when I was younger, my parents signed me up for basketball. And you can tell by my stature that I'm naturally gifted for basketball. And, uh, and I was horrible at it, and I couldn't play. And the team, my teammates picked on me, and I hated going to practice. And I would come home every single day with my head down, like, I can't play basketball. I can't do this. I don't know what I'm doing. And so what happened was I just stopped going to practice. And I just, you know, I just didn't want to do it anymore. And the coach met with my dad and was working things out. So, hey, can you just... Get, I know Tom's on the third string, but come on, <laughs> you know, welcome him back. And, and the last, uh, and I, I really appreciate my coach. He, they made up plays for me. The last game of the season didn't affect any placing in wherever we were. They made plays for me so that I can score, specifically for me. How's that? Like, they're like, okay, Tom, you over here, and you pass the ball, and you're going to do this, whatever it was. And I did it. And I scored a basket, and I scored one free throw. Three points in the whole season. Woo! Three points. Boom. And you know what? I never played basketball again, but I got a win. I was doing something that I, could, I thought I could never, ever succeed in or do whatever it is, and someone helped me out. They made plays for me. They made something special for me, and I got a basket. And you know what? That's the one thing I remember for the rest of my life is that I scored. Give your husband a win. And what I mean by that in this context is I think naturally you want to encourage. I mean, I look at my wife. She encourages my kids all the time. And what does she do? She takes their paintings and their drawings, right? They're three, right? They're not Picassos. They're not the greatest thing in the world. They're actually kind of not that great. <laughs> to be honest with you, they're three years old, but she puts them on and hangs them up going, good job. Look at this. Look what you did. Right? It's not perfect. It's not Picasso, but I'm proud of you. I'm giving you a win. And what I mean for, for you guys, you wives and you future wives, is, is not to treat your husband like a child, but prop them up sometime. Give them, give them a, a place of pride that hey, you're doing a good job. Encourage them. Just you know, not, Like I said, it doesn't have to be all the time. And, and here's the one thing that I want to put into perspective. From the beginning, God said what? Man, it's not good for man to be alone. Now, you can look at it in one way. One way, you can say, God looked at man's like, you need a woman trophy wife, get, you know, get the other stuff done so you can get the, the, the main business done. You know how I look at it? The man needed some help. The man needed help. He couldn't do it by himself. So God's all, it's not good for man to be alone, which means we are wired to, to do certain things well and think a certain way. But you know what? Because of that, I believe, I'm not, I'm not a, psycholog a psychiatrist, psychologist, I don't know. I believe we have blind spots. Men have blind spots. Men, please don't stone me on the way out like Nabon. No. We have blind spots, and we need, we need our spouses to come partner with us and to lift us up and to complete those blind spots in our life because we need help. We mess up. We don't know what we're doing, and there's this heavy responsibility of being a leader. We're just like, oh, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I know. I, can't, I don't know if I can do this job that's given to me. And if you give them a win, let me, let me give you a little, a little uh, secret. We will believe you. We are, that, we are that gullible. 
that if you encourage us, like, man, honey, you did really good at the dishes. We're going to take pride in it. I, I, I mean, I was just thinking, I'm like, you know, yeah, you're right, because uh, I have a really perfect balanced ratio of water to soap. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I use the wax on, wax on technique, and uh, just makes the, makes the dishes cleaner. And we, we, we will take pride in it if you just give us a win. And we, you know what? It's kind of like, you know what? You put the picture up. It's not perfect. It's not the way that I would have done it. But you know what? I'm proud of you. I think that will go a long way. Don't worry, man. I'm going to pick on you later. Okay. Um, the second wrong use of power is the passive power. We talked about that. Um, that's the power that Ahab struggled with. And actually, it was the power that he surrendered. And that's what passive power is, is he's surrendering his authority. And in our context today, husband or wife, when we overcompensate and we be passive because someone's controlling and we don't do it and we become a doormat, we basically place ourselves off of the intended purpose of our place in a marriage, either husband or wife. We take our place off and we're just surrendering that authority, surrendering that power. And come on, give me an amen. That is not healthy, right? There's the passive husband, but there's also the passive wife. Like, oh, I'm going to let him lead and do everything, and I have no opinion. And that's wrong, too. And, and so it's similar to the, uh, the overpower is that our words, we can use our words to be passive. How? We have no words. No confrontation, no drama, no, no. We don't say anything. We just let them do everything. We let them discipline the kids. We let them do everything. We're just like, nope, nope, I'm not going to do it. I'm just going to watch TV. I'm, whatever it is, I'm not going to cause any hassles. And we say nothing, and we hold it all in. No words. There's the passive actions. We be, or we're indecisive, we're fearful, we're timid, we're lazy. We come, like I said, a doormat, and we avoid drama, and we take the easy route. The other way is, is that instead of, like, the controlling person does the job for them, now we just go, you know what? You just do the job. You do everything. Do everything. I just kind of submit my authority. And here's where I want to give you some advice for this. If you're passive, either husband or wife or future husband or wife, or even in, in your just being single and that you feel like, yeah, I'm kind of like that, is that in, in these relationships, you're not a doormat. You're a sounding board. Become a sounding board. And what I mean by that, don't, just don't become someone that's being stepped on and controlled and forced and has no influence whatsoever. You know what a sounding board is? Back in the days, they didn't have any PA systems. And it was a sounding board for like a preacher or someone like me that it would reflect the sound. And now we know that the term sounding board is someone that I'm going to just throw these ideas at you and you would tell me what, what's good about it, what's bad about it. That being a sounding board, not a doormat, is someone that has an opinion. And my piece of advice for you, if you're struggling with passivity right now, share your opinion. That's one good start. Amen. Share your thoughts. Share what you're thinking. Be honest. Be real. I love the fact that I married my wife, Grace, that she's not a passive person. She's not someone that's, I'm going, okay, I'm just going to whatever it is, you know, and because and, and, I'm a leader and a pastor and all that. My wife has opinions, and she holds me accountable to my own stupidity. I'm going to be, I'm going to admit it. I'm stupid sometimes. Thank you. All right. I'm in good company, <laughs> right? I truly believe it is not good for man to be alone because, man, we would mess things up sometimes. We need help. And I love the fact that I have a wife that is going to speak up and share her opinion because, you know what, I value it, value it so much because, you know what, it is, it's the cool thing about a signing board is that I'm preaching and, and whatever I'm saying, the signing board helps me project what I'm trying to say. And here's that submission. Like, you know what? I'm going to step into my place of a, my power. I'm going to use it to lift you up. Passive is as wrong as being controlling. All right. Well, you ready for me to pick on the men? I'm going to give you men some good advice, actually. Um, men, if, if you find yourself passive in this role as a husband or maybe a future husband or in your relationships, um, step into it. Step into your role as a leader as a spiritual father, as someone that sets the tone, step into it. Be someone worthy 
of your wife and your kids of following. Someone's going, you know, I'm going to follow them. You know, I have three-year-old kids, and I'm watching all the other. Man, you, you guys, we got some great fathers in this church. I'm looking at some right now. Boom. You got some. I, I, I got three-year-olds, man. It's like, that's kind of like easy. Man, some of you guys got teenagers. <gasps> Junior hires. <gasps> I don't want to deal with those. And I'm taking your, I'm looking at you guys, and you guys are, you, you guys are worthy of following. And here's the one thing. When I say step up into it, when I first became a pastor, um, I was in charge of junior high and the, and the high school, and I had this attitude like, I, I, mean, I want to be cool, you know? You know? I'm short enough. I can pass for a junior high. I can look like a junior higher. So I wanted to be their friend. That was my attitude when I first came into the ministry. I just want to be your friend, your buddy, whatever it is. And over time, I found out, you know what? That's not good because they're not growing in the Lord. No one's calling them on their stuff. And no one's stepping into the role to be their pastor. And God convicted me. It's like, you know what? Don't be their friend. Be their pastor. A pastor is someone who guards them, protects them, looks over them, is discipling and wanting them to grow. So you would, I had to change my attitude and say stuff they didn't like, say stuff they didn't want to hear, but be encouraging, be pastoring, challenging them. And you know what? Here's the, here's the cool thing. I became better friends with them with that attitude because I stepped in the proper role that God gave me. Are you guys hearing me? And for men, I want to tell you right now, step into your proper role. I'm not saying, you know, some of you guys have personalities that are quieter. I'm not saying change your personality. I'm just saying, step into it. Do something that you're, we're, we're God, it's a God-given thing. And here's what God has given to us. He's given us three Ps. I'm going to give you three Ps if you're taking notes, right? He's called us to be the provider, the protector, and the pastor. You guys right? I don't see any pens moving. No, just, you don't, you don't have to, sorry. Um, the, you, what did I say? All right, you're listening, awesome. The provider, the protector, and the pastor. What I mean by that, the provider, it doesn't mean in today's age, we live in Hawaii, right? It doesn't mean that you have to make more than your wife or whatever it is, but it's an attitude of, I'm gonna provide for my wife and my family, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna take care of them. That I'm not gonna be a passive about it, that I'm gonna work hard that I'm going to set the tone for the budget and how we spend and, and our future and set goals and whatever it is. That's what, that's what men are good at, setting goals, right? And that we would set the tone. It's not, I'm not talking about being the money breadwinner, whatever it is. I know how it works in today's age. We, both of us have to work. We live in Hawaii. Come on, can I get amen for that, right? It's hard, but I'm saying you set the tone for it. And here's the one thing I had to learn in my marriage, you know, um, I, I, can I admit and confess that I was passive in some areas? And um, my wife got pregnant with the twins, and we had to renovate my apartment. And that was a, how many guys would say renovation is just a daunting, scary thing? I had to get permits, I had to get permission, I had to get all that. And so what did I do? I procrastinated. I became passive about it. Didn't want to do it, didn't want to get it done, right? You know what the problem was? My wife is still pregnant. Babies are coming, no matter what. And they're getting close. I was like, oh, I better get on it. And we got into fights about it. Seriously, we did. Argued about it. And she was right. Dude, you're, being, you're not doing your part. You're not doing your job. You're procrastinating. You should be doing it. And so I stepped it up. You know what the problem was? Babies came earlier than I thought. <laughs> Thanks a lot, babies. And so I had to. I had no choice. I had, I had to get that place renovated and done for my kids, for my wife to come home to. You know what? We lived with my in-laws for a long time, <laughs> for a while, a couple months. But I got it done. I got it done. We renovated a place, and, we, and it's, it's beautiful. We don't live there anymore, but it was, <laughs> uh, it was awesome. And, you know, the one thing I learned is, like, you know what? There's times where I need to step it up, and I had to take my proper role, and I have to, I have to provide. I have to do that, and it's, and it's just not, and my point is, it's not just providing in your workplace, getting the checks. It's providing security at home as well. The next one is, is, is protector, and I think that's a, you know, I don't think I have to go into that one, because I think naturally inbred in a lot of men is just that instinct to protect. Come on, right? Some of the most passive guys I know in my life 
Dude, I, I've seen when the rubber meets the road, when they had to protect, dude, they stepped up. I was like, boom, the lamb just turned into a lion. Like, what the? I've, see, I've seen it. I've seen some of the guys, like, the quietest guys, like, hello, Tom, how are you guys doing? Whoa! You know, it's like, whoa, dude. And it comes out, and it's natural. And so, you know what? Protect your wife. Guard them from, from bad friends, bad, bad ideas, bad influences, whatever it is, physical, spiritual, emotional, just protect them. The last one is to, is to pastor them. And I know for some of you guys going, wait, does that mean I have to go to Bible school and know the Bible? No, what that means is you set the spiritual tone in your family. doesn't mean you have to know the Bible, memorize scripture. Um, maybe you're a brand new Christian, but what that means is that you're making God a priority in your life. And that you're going, you know what? We are going to go to church. Anybody hearing me? We're going to get involved in people's lives. We're going to tithe because that's important to me because God is important. So we're going to do, you're setting the tone and then you're pastoring them by going, you know, I want to pray with the kids. We're going to, we're going to, you know, I'm, as my kids get older and we haven't done it yet, but I, I really want to do this. And so I'm saying this to keep you, keep me accountable is uh, I want to do Sabbath dinner with my family. Yeah, I want to, I want to, I'll, I'll enjoy my Sabbath and then we're going to have Shabbat dinner. Right? And it, I'm, it's not a good idea. No, not Shabbat. It's horrible food. No, I don't know. Uh, but I just want something that's going to be important to us, and I'm going to set the tone. Okay, you know what? We're going to do Sabbath dinner. We're going to have, it's family dinner night, right? And we're going to do it. And uh, so that, that's the one thing that I, I, I want to do. It's just, you're setting the tone to pastor your wife or family and and here's the one thing in Joshua 24. This is the attitude that I, I would want to have. And, and please hear me. My marriage is not perfect. I'm, I need to step into my roles. This is as convicting to me and challenging to me as all of it uh, to you guys. And I'm not perfect, but I'm just hearing from the Word of God. And the Word of God is always good. Amen? Amen. And it's always teaching us stuff. But I love Joshua, Joshua's attitude about it in, in Joshua 24. This is the attitude that I want to have. And you see this a lot in, people, in Christian homes. Like, they have this plaque, right? It says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And to me, that should fire you up as a man. Because what he's saying is, you know what? He's talking to the, 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 the Israelite community. And he's saying, you know what? Don't worship any other idols. Don't worship any other gods. Worship God. And basically by saying, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, you know what? You might not listen to my advice. You actually might go and worship other gods. And basically what he's saying, but you know what? As for me, I ain't leaving. I am worshiping God. And he is the most important thing in my life. And as for me and my household, we're going to do it and we're going to worship God. And so here's the thing that I want to I I do. You know, back in... When we used to surf a lot, uh, any surfers out there? I'm sorry if I'm going long. Um, you know, the thing about surfing is when you're surfing with your buddies, like when it's big, like you can literally dare people to take off on waves that they shouldn't take off on. <laughs> like, you know, you're sitting out there and the set comes in and you just do one of these things, woo-hoo, boo you know, you start yelling and whatever it is. And if you're the guy out there, and you hear, go, boo, you're like, and you're like, oh, I don't want to. But you're just like, I'm going anyway. And you, we get dared into dumb stuff. I, I, we did this to my brother so many times. I, I've, I've seen my brother just like take off and die. Just like, you know, just like, yeah, like, yeah, whatever it is. And I, the one thing I want to tell you right now, men, go for it, man. Dude, I dare you to catch that wave. I dare you. I dare you go for it. And you know what? I'm going to be honest with you. You might take off and die. It might throw you. You're like, ah, whatever it is. You know what? Paddle out again. Go for another one. Try again. Step into your role. It's not, we're not perfect. It's a process. I don't want to dare you guys. That's a good advice for women, right? Just dare them to do it. They'll do it. I dare you to do the dishes. Oh, yeah, I'll do it. <laughs> you know? 
As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And I want to, uh, you know, I'm just, I want to speak to all of us here. I want to go back to what it says in Ephesians, that, that we would truly submit, learn how to submit. And that means being the leader. And I'm going to come under you as the leader and prompt you up or as the supporting whatever it is. You know, these are the proper places in a marriage. And I'm going to pray in a bit. And I was thinking, you know, I want to, I want to end with a good story, you know, of, of a good marriage that, that submitted really well. And I was trying to rack in my brain, and I was like, do I have any good? I'm like, eh, I'm all right at it. Oh, I'm still working on it. You know what I thought of? Pastor, Pastor Carl, our own pastor. Um, I don't know if you guys remember, but two years, probably exactly two years to this month, whatever it is. Anybody? Or did we just completely turn over a church in two years? Does anyone remember when I was in charge, when I was the boss? Yes. Yes. I miss those days. No, I, no, I don't. <laughs> no. Uh, I was the interim pastor because Carl was on sabbatical. And it's because he was going through some stuff, some personal stuff. It was no sin, no nothing. It was just he was, his marriage was kind of struggling, and there's some other issues and whatever it is. And I had to take over, and I was like, oh, okay, I'm, 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 I'm the boss, you know, whatever. And I, I remember talking to Carl on his sabbatical when he's just, you know, surfing and hanging out and going shelling and, and, and whatever it was and, and doing and, and seeking the Lord. You know, the one thing that I, I noticed about him that I really respect him today and that makes him worthy of following today, which he is absolutely worthy of following because he's our lead pastor, is that he allowed himself to change. He, he allowed himself to be a different Carl. He allowed himself for God to work in him. And you know what he didn't do? He didn't go, Kanani, you change. Wife, you change. You make this better. I saw the whole time. Yeah, that's whatever it is, and Kanani had to do her stuff. But I saw, because uh, I was talking to him a lot, I saw him be, being willing to change himself. I've counseled so many couples that all they do is come and blame the other person or they want to change the other person. And you know what I see? I see no progress. Why? Because they're focusing on the other person. And I want to challenge you, everyone here, are you willing to change yourself? Whether it's your fault or not. Because we're, we're all a work in progress, Amen. So let's bow our heads and pray. I know I'm going long. I'm so sorry. But I think this is important. I hope you are willing to, to take a, a leap of faith and, and change. If man, man, man or woman, if you're struggling with controlling or, or being passive, well, let's, let's, let's ask God for help, Amen. And I, I want to just, you know, we got our heads closed and uh, heads closed, our eyes closed and heads bowed. And if you think you're just too controlling and that you use that power to force and to push too hard and you use your words, your actions, or you, you're the one that wants to take over, and you want God to change your heart to help you. You don't even know where to start. But here's a good start. Just ask God. And if that's you, with all the eyes closed and head bowed, can you just raise your hand if you want to help in just your control issues and just want God to help you? Just raise your hand real high. Come on, let's see it. Yeah, there's a whole bunch. It's good. It's good. Let me pray for you. God, I, I, I thank you for the honesty in this room. Lord, that um, for those of us we're dealing with the control issue. I know I have, that we would learn to not control the other person, but control ourselves. And Lord Jesus, actually, ultimately, hand control completely to you, God. That, that we put our trust in you, because you are our one. And I pray that you would do that, start the process in me today. I know it's not going to be easy. But I pray this in Jesus' name. All right, well, I'm going to say another prayer for the person you think, husband or wife, you just think you're too passive. 
you become inactive and you want to become more of a, a sounding board than a doormat. Maybe you're a man and you want to step up and you want to step up to be a provider, a pastor, and a protector. And you want to take that dare I just dared you to do. Or, you, or if you're a, a, a wife and just, you know what, I, I, need to ha- I need to share my opinion. I really do. If that's you and you want God to help you, can you raise your hand now too? Just raise it high. Raise it high. Awesome. Let me pray for you. God, Lord, thank you for, again, the honesty in this room. Lord, I pray, Father God, for men and women that we know that we are valuable. Lord, and I pray, Father God, that you would remind every single heart here that has risen their hand that they are valuable. They have awesome, incredible minds and opinions that they can share with their spouse, that they can better their marriage and better their life and better their relationships by just sharing their opinion, by stepping up to the proper position that that you have given them, God. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's keep our heads bowed. I'm going to say one more prayer. I just want to, um, I want to pray for anybody here that doesn't know Jesus, that wants to know Jesus. Maybe you're here, you're brand new, and you're seeking the Lord, or maybe, maybe you came back to church because, man, I want to rekindle my faith, and you kind of fell away, and you want to rededicate your life to Jesus. Well, I want to say this prayer for either one, either the first time or rededication, but um, it's a prayer to go, Jesus, I, I believe in what you did on the cross for me. I believe you died for me. I believe you shed your blood and it set me free. It actually makes my life better. The power that you had didn't make me worse. It's making me better and I believe in it. And I want to surrender. I want to give you my life. I want to become a born again Christian. If that's you this morning, I want to pray with you. And on the count of three, I ask that you just tell me that you want to pray with me by raising your hand, just like how we just did. And you're basically saying, Pastor Tom, I want to be a Christian today. I want to, or I want to rededicate my life to Christ. So here we go. On the count of three, just raise your hand. One, two, three. Anybody here? Want to, first time. All right, raise your hand real quick. One, two, three. How many people we got? We got four. We got five. We got six. We got how many people? I think we got six or seven people out there. Anybody else that want to give? Awesome choice, by the way. So glad you did. Thank you so much for giving your life to the Lord. Anybody else want to give their life to the Lord today or rededicate their life to, G- to Jesus? All right, awesome. Would you put your hands down and just say this prayer? Lord Jesus, I come before you. I thank you so much for what you're doing in my life. Lord, I believe that you died on the cross for me. I believe you gave it, gave it willingly, that you shed your blood to give me freedom, to give me forgiveness, to give me life. And because of that, I surrender and I will follow you, God as my Lord and my Savior and my friend. Thank you for uh, making me born again, a new creation in Christ. In Jesus' precious name we all say, Amen. amen. Let's give those people a hand. About seven people.